Hello and welcome to our weekly podcast from Faith Point Church, Auckland, New Zealand. We hope you will encounter God afresh in this week's teaching segment. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to hear more, then you can visit us at www.faithpoint.org.nz. And now for today's message. Imagine living in a world where you've got close family and you're separated by continent, by seas, by nations, and you have no way of knowing what's going on in their lives. You're connected, mums once with an umbilical cord to that child, and you don't know what's happening in their lives. You, you love them and you're dying to know what's going on in their lives. Well, you see, that's the world that the Apostle Paul ministered in. There was no messenger. There was no smartphone. There was no internet. There was no Wi-Fi. There was, there was doing the hard yards of traveling by a boat that probably wasn't that seaworthy, and then doing a lot of walking, a lot of riding on donkeys, getting sore backsides. There was all that kind of stuff that was going on. And as we move through into part two of the prophetic theme that God has set in our church this year, which we've heard and we've seen and it's been shown to us in the prayer meetings, that this year and this decade is a decade of growing and going, grow and go, committing to personal growth in your life. And when you grow, you can't help but go. When there's something going on inside of you that's of God, it has to be released and let out to the world. It has to be displayed. You can't hold it in. It's got to jump out of you and touch the world that you're living in, your neighbourhood, your workmates, your friends and your family. And Paul, as we approach today's message, last week I talked about uh, becoming the best version of you in 2020. Making a commitment to growth, making a commitment to becoming more Christ-like, making a commitment to allow the Holy Spirit to work in you. Paul said, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. It's like a gold mine had been placed in you as you receive Christ. Now you have to mine the gold and work it out to allow the Holy Spirit to have His way fully within our hearts and our lives. Can I hear an amen to that commitment today? And today I want to talk, we're going to carry straight on to the next verse in a book that I really uh, understand to be themed strongly towards a commitment to personal growth, the book of Philippians. The church at Philippi, Philippi, let me give you a little bit of background. The church at Philippi was Paul's first church that he planted in modern day Europe. So right now in Europe, there's cathedrals and churches everywhere. The very first church is the letter that Paul is writing to the church at Philippi that we're looking at the letter that he wrote to them, the advice that he gave to them. And it was a church dear to his heart because Paul was heading out to Turkey and towards India. And he's praying one day and he sees a vision and there's a man from Macedonia, which is modern day Greece. And he sees him in a vision. He says, come over here, Paul, and help us. Paul's going to the right. Now he realises the Holy Spirit is saying, no, I want you to forget about going that way. I want you to turn left and I want you to head into Europe. 
And Philippi is the first church that they planted where they met a godly woman called Lydia who was having a Sabbath prayer meeting down by the river and she meets Paul and Dr. Luke and Timothy and Silas as they're there by the river and they have a wonderful time of fellowship. He preaches Jesus to them. They don't know about Jesus. They know about the coming Messiah. And Paul preaches and says, He's come. He's here. You need to receive Him today. He's offering you salvation and the gift of eternal life. And the first church in Europe began at a city called Philippi. Wow. So when he writes, we understand another thing. He's writing from a Roman prison cell. In other words, he's not a free man, but he's been given parchments and pens. And so he begins to pen under the influence of the Holy Spirit, God's words to the church that is so dear to his heart because it's his first church in Europe. He'd already been in Lystra and Derby and Ephesus. He'd already planted those churches in what's modern day Turkey. But now he's jumped the sea and he's across in Philippi. And now he's in a Roman jail cell in Rome, miles away. And he's, and he's he spent uh, two to three years at Philippi investing in people. And he's got no way of knowing what's happening in their lives. And this is where we start our text today. Are you ready, church? Are you ready to dive in to the text today? They didn't even have a telegram like when Pastor Viv was growing up, the old telegram. Remember that? <laughs> <laughs> so we're looking at uh, Philippi, uh, Philippians chapter 2, verse 19. But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly, that I also may be encouraged when I know your state. For I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state. <sighs> Just let that rest on you for a moment. I have no one like-minded who will care for your state. Why? For all seek their own, not the things which are of Christ Jesus. Still a lot of individualism going on in the church. Still a lot of me first. Still a lot of the, we think that the I generation, the me generation, the millennial generation, friends, it's been going on since Adam. And then he commends Timothy, but you know his proven character. Wow, don't you like that? You know this man is proven under trial. He's got a character that's shining and radiating. Why? Because as a son with the Father, he has served me in the gospel. Therefore, I hope to send him at once. As soon as I see how it goes with me, remember he's in jail, but I trust in the Lord that I myself shall also come shortly. Second person Straight on in next verse, Epaphroditus. Yet I considered it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus. Good name, eh? Epaphroditus. That's quite a few syllables. My brother, fellow worker, and fellow soldier. You like to see how he describes him? My bro. He's close to him. This is my brother. We've been through stuff together. And he says, he's my fellow worker. He's not ashamed to put his hand to the plow. He's not one of these ones that's always looking for the easy way out or the, the lazy day. He's a worker. How about this? Fellow soldier. He understands he's in a battle. 
He understands that we're at war here. And Paul's using all these incredible adjectives to describe Epaphroditus and how much he meant to him in terms of the help that he was giving to both Paul and to others. But he's your messenger and the one who ministered to my need. Listen to this. Since he was longing for you all and was distressed because you had heard that he was sick, for indeed he was sick almost unto death, but God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I sent him the more eagerly that when you see him again, you may rejoice and I may be less sorrowful. Receive him therefore in the Lord with all gladness and hold such men in esteem. That's called honor. This guy's not a one hit wonder. He's been around the block a few times, nearly died in this, for the sake of the gospel. And this guy's distressed because other people are distressed that he's sick. How's that? He's not distressed that he's sick. He's distressed that other people are feeling sad because he's sick. What a golden heart that guy has. Because for the work of Christ, he came close to death, not regarding his life. I'm hardcore. I'm going all the way. I know, I know. That for me to live is Christ, but to die is to gain. Woohoo! What an attitude. Not regarding his life, to supply what was lacking in your service toward me. You see, this wasn't a new problem that Paul was facing. This is a problem that Jesus himself identified when he was preaching in his three and a half years of ministry. And this is how Jesus put it in Matthew chapter 9, verse 37. Then Jesus said to his disciples, The harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest field. Paul the apostle had picked up the heart of Jesus. He loved people, especially those who were in need, especially those who were walk, walking in life without purpose. How many of you love the fact that after you receive Jesus, suddenly you've got purpose? You've got something to get up for every day. You've got something to live for. It's called the agenda of the kingdom of God. And your life dramatically turns around where you're no longer aimlessly walking round and round in circles. But some uh, now, you, because of the Holy Spirit's power in your life, you're heading somewhere. You're walking with purpose. You're walking with a spring in your step because Jesus Christ saved you for a purpose. He didn't save you just for yourself. He saved you for a purpose. And this is what uh, Paul is saying. You know, he says, uh, Jesus, note the remedy for this problem. Jesus said, don't run around trying to recruit. Don't run around exhausting yourself. He said, the answer to the shortage of laborers is pray. That's why every week in this church we have a prayer meeting that is for the whole church. Because we've seen so many answers in that prayer meeting. We've seen miraculous provision of God in every area of life through that prayer meeting that we have because Jesus told us to pray for these issues. So here we are, two people proven under fire. They're willing, they're involved in the service of God. But you know, this is, the, this is the challenging thing that we find here, is that Paul starts off by saying, I've got no one like-minded. You've got to remember, he's been in ministry for a long time. 
He's near the end of his ministry, and he's saying, I've, I've got the same problem that many pastors have today. And that problem is, is that there's plenty of people that may be filling the pews, but I've got no one to actually get on the ground and do the work of making disciples and, and spending time and loving people and caring for people. And so today, I'm calling this message under the, the theme of the text, Growing in Our Love and Care for Others. To grow and go, you've got to be able to love people. You've got to be able to be willing to actually put your feet to your faith and actually demonstrate God's love through our lives. So buckle up. It's not going to be a nice flowery, uh, you know, sermon that you, you'll probably be squirming a little bit in your seat this morning. And I don't apologize that for I'm preaching the Word of God. Amen. I'm preaching it like Paul preached it this morning. And so we're going to open our hearts now to what God is saying. So first point out of this text is number one, God wants us to grow in our love and care for other people. He's aching to know how they're doing. You know, when you're living for yourself, you don't care about how other people are doing. You say, how's it going? And you don't even listen to their answer. It's just a greeting that you, it's just a greeting that you use. And they say something to you and you don't even hear what they said because you're not really interested. And Paul is so interested. He said, I've got to know. I've got to. There is such an ache in my heart for these people that I led to Christ. I've got to know how they're going in their walk with Jesus. Have they been deceived? Has the devil come into the church? Is there division in the church? Is there people who are sick? Are there people who have been put in jail like me for my faith? He says, I've got to know. Why does he need to know? Because he loves them. He cares about them. Whew. I want to ask you a question today. Can we name three people right now that we're personally involved with and caring for their welfare that they may have a better life and a better walk with Jesus? Just put that in your spiritual pipe and smoke it for a little while. I just want you to be able to just let that challenge of the Holy Spirit because Disciples make disciples. That means they're in relationship with others. That means they're caring for others. That means they're personally involved with other people's lives. Wow. Paul was saying, I want you to, I want you to overcome that look out for number one syndrome. I want you to overcome that always putting yourself first he says, I've got no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state. Did you notice the word he injected in there? Sincerely. He's saying who are genuine. You know, there's one thing about the millennial generation that people, people rage on them all the time and this generation because they're living in a time unprecedented in history. There's never been a time where the world has been more connected through the internet, but more disconnected in their relationships. And, and yet... There's one thing that a millennial will sniff out quicker than anything else, and that is lack of genuineness in authentic lives. And he's saying, he's saying, these men that I'm sending to you, they actually have a real heart and they genuinely care for you, just like I care for you. Wow. These people are rare in any age today. You know, Paul sitting in jail. And he's just, he's, he's meditating and he's thinking and he's just saying, and his heart, he's saying, I wish I had more people 
that I could deploy who will act and think and do just as I do. Isn't that, isn't that amazing? And you know, um, back in 2016, I took a sabbatical and I felt the Lord speak to me afresh uh, four years ago now and say, James, for the next 14 years, I want you to be on my mission to plant seven churches because people have forgotten how to plant churches. Pastors just want their churches to get bigger and bigger and bigger and fill up the pews and pat themselves on the back. And I'm not judging pastors' hearts today because I know many mega pastors well who have great hearts. But it's so easy for us to actually look at our seating capacity rather than our sending capacity. Did you catch that? To look at not just our seating capacity, but our sending capacity. Who do we have, like Paul, that we can send out to do the job and know the job's going to get done? How many are there that we can count on? And so we have an acronym in our church that we've been using called FAST, Faithful, Available, Servant-Hearted and Teachable. And this is the grid in which we're raising up people in this congregation so that we know that when they've got FAST operating within their life, they can be relied upon at any time, at any place to be able to do the work of the Lord. They are FAST, Servants of God. Faithful, Available, Servant-Hearted. And teachable. They're not giving me lip. <laughs> yeah, she does that enough. They're not giving me lip. They're not backbiting. They're not spreading division within the church because they are servant-hearted and they're teachable. Friends, listen to this. We will never accomplish God's call in our lives without a high level of personal commitment. Can I say that to you? If you're in cruise mode today, and I don't blame you, we're just coming out of the Christmas season. If you're in cruise mode today, I want you to know you will never fulfill the call of God in your life in cruise mode. It will take a high level of personal commitment for you to see the plans that God has for you, which are good and not for evil. Plans for good, plans to prosper you, plans to bring welfare through your life to others. You will never do it without a high level of personal commitment to the task that is in front of us. How many of you heard of the Pareto Principle? 2080 Principle. Most churches have 20% of the congregation doing 80% of the work. And that's simply because we haven't, we haven't got fast. We haven't got fast about it. We, we haven't raised up faithful, durable, enduring uh, people who will last the test of time, who, who will make themselves available. You know, this is what I found. This is what I found. The most successful disciples are not the ones with the most time on their hand. The most successful disciples normally are the ones that are, that are always busy because they're being productive in some area within their life. And, and, you know, God wants to be able to release us into that space where we see that availability come about. So for us to fulfill our mission, we need to be able to see us overcome that me-first syndrome within our lives. Paul shares the reason. He says, look, the problem is that all seek their own, not the things which are of Christ Jesus. And so... Love is often spelt like this, friends, T-I-M-E, time. Love is often spelt with the time. Time is a currency. We all have the same currency every week. 
We have the same hours. We have the same Monday through to Sunday in our lives. And the time that you have on your hands is like a currency that you're trading with your life. How are you budgeting your time? Just like we're supposed to budget our money, how are you budgeting your time and where are you spending it in terms of impact for the kingdom of God? Love is often spelt time. The second point here is that God wants us to grow in good character. You know, true love means finding, it means finding consistency in my commitment to others. Not being a one-hit wonder. We all know artists in the music scene. Who let the dogs out? Who, who, who? (laughs) Can you imagine that being number one for so many weeks? But there weren't any other number ones. And and God doesn't want us just to go be like a skyrocket. Kaboom! And everybody's going, wow! And then there's nothing left. It's all, it's, all, it's all over, Rover. It's all, it's all been and gone. Now, God wants us to consistently over a long period of time learn how to love and serve others with a consistency. And when you can do that, you're building good character within your life and you're becoming a different person. You're being changed and transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. Paul said it like this, Timothy's been like a son to me with the gospel and serving me in the ministry. As a son with his father, he has served me. He was right by Paul's side. Did you know that Timothy was one of the four that started this church? Just before they hopped over the channel from Turkey into Greece, when the Holy Spirit redirected them, Paul came across this young man who was half Gentile, half Jew. His name is Timothy. He's a half-breed. He's got a Jewish mother and a Jewish grandmother who taught him the Scriptures, the Old Testament, from a young child. He was filled with the Word of God. Paul's going through the area, spots him and says, come here, young man. As Jesus called the twelve, come and follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. He starts following Paul and he becomes his right-hand man. He eventually becomes the Bishop of Ephesus. He becomes a great man of God over a long period of time. But he was one of the founding leaders of the church at Philippi. He's he's built consistency over a long period of time. You know, this this starting this year or last year, we're now in our fourth decade of ministry. I got a lovely couple here, Jim and Elizabeth Mordaunt, who were, hey, give us a wave, guys, over there. These guys were with us many, many years ago in Tauranga when we were pastoring our second church there. And the thing that I get a buzz out of, I get a buzz out of seeing them in the house of God all these years. And I'm sure they get a buzz. Pastor James is still preaching the Word like he used to preach the Word. Amen. Praise God. And so let's not be one-hit wonders. And last point this morning, last point this morning, which is sometimes the most trickiest out of all of them, is that we're, we're called to grow in spite of the trials that surround our lives. Hello. Ooh. Is this a biggie? Oh, yeah. Because sometimes when you can't see the forest for the trees, when you're in the midst of a tribulation and a trial within your life, it's so easy to do what Job's friends did and blame God for the problem. It's so easy for us to end up ratting out on God and selling out our faith because it's gotten too difficult for us. 
But in this situation, the Apostle Paul is saying, these guys have been through the mill. Epaphroditus, is nearly, he nearly died. He was right on the brink of death, which doesn't get any more difficult in terms of trials. I wouldn't imagine. He's right on the brink of death and yet he's bounced back and he's so distressed because the people have heard that he's sick and he, he doesn't want them to think that he's still sick. He can't send a telegram. He can't send a messenger. He can't send a text message to let them know. No, he has to send Epaphroditus himself to say, hey guys, here I am. Praise God, he healed me. I'm alive and I'm still serving the Lord and I'm still prepared to go despite the fact that I went through a trial of sickness that nearly killed me who's ready to bounce back in 2020 hallelujah this morning this is what the apostle James wrote about trials James chapter 1 verse 2 my brothers count it all joy when you fall into various trials notice he says fall into it's not like we're going like this I'm going to purposely jump into this trial. <laughs> yeah, how exciting is this trial? When you're under persecution, when you're under financial constraints, when your relationships are going in the wrong direction, it's not like you're saying, woohoo, I'm jumping into this. He says, when you fall into various trials, when those trials come your way and there's nothing you can do about it but endure them, when you're in the midst of them, he goes, knowing that the testing of your faith, that's what's happening right here in the midst of your trial. Your faith is being tested. Your faith is coming under fire. Is it plastic, chocolate faith that melts under the heat? Or is it enduring golden faith that's been forged within your life through the heat of that trial? It produces patience. Verse 4, but let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Lacking in nothing. Trials produce good stuff if we're looking to Jesus in the trial. Peter talks about it on a whole different level. But I love the translator of the New Testament who in 1947 after the war, he wanted kids to understand the Bible and they had a lot of difficulty with the ifs and the this and the thous of the King James Version. So he, he translated the Greek test, New Testament into modern day English. Look how he translates this verse. I love it. When all kinds of trials and temptations crowd into your lives, my friends, don't resent them as intruders, but welcome them as friends. Why would you welcome them as a friend? Because they're going to produce some great stuff in you over 2020. So my brothers and sisters, let's grow this year in our love and our care for others. Our mission statement as a church is making disciples who make disciples, building the kingdom of God one life at a time. We're not looking at the masses. We're looking at the one life that God's brought in front of us. What are we going to do with that one life? How are we going to grow them? How are we going to benefit them? How are we going to bless them? How are we going to love them? How are we going to care for them? How are we going to be sincere when we say, how are you going? We're actually going to listen for what's really behind their answer. Because friends, we're all good at the Sunday poker face. The old, we put on the church clothes, but we put on the church face. And the church face says, 
I'm okay. Don't ask me too many personal questions though, because I'm just going to give you a road answer that says, oh no, things are sweet. Things are okay. But they're not really that sweet. And so this is where relationship comes through love and care. Friends, many people don't care how much you know, they care about how much you care. You're going to get more mileage in a relationship when you understand that that person's not there just to dump information on you, but they actually care about you. They're the sort of people we need in our lives. Can I hear an amen this morning? And so growing in our character, becoming more like Jesus, and last of all, growing through the trials that come our way. Can we stand to our feet, church? Thank you, Father.